This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Microsoft founder Bill Gates famously said if he was down to his last dollar, he would spend it on public relations or PR. Other than journalism, public relations has formed the most significant part of my career over the last two decades. I transitioned from the world of newspapers and TV reporting into what we former journalists called the dark side and found myself in agency land where clients are king, but the world of well-spun communications can make or break their image, their share price, and even their very business existence. I can't interview myself, so as I scan the scores of public relations operators out there, one name kept standing out on my social media feeds, Samantha Dieback founder of the PR Hub, a public relations and talent management agency for entrepreneurs and business leaders wanting to raise their profile in the media and be recognised as experts in their field. Samantha is an industry veteran of a similar vintage to me, although a little bit younger. I'm delighted to talk shop with her today as we delve into the politics of public relations. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure I'm not too far behind. In, uh, I just suddenly did the maths and thought I better be very candid there because, um, it, it, yes, I didn't want you to think that. I, I assumed your, what your age was, but I do know you've got 18 years' experience, so I'm assuming you didn't start that in primary school. Uh, no, not quite, no. It does sound like a lot, but, um, but no, it's fine. Excellent. So growing up, I like to always delve into people's childhoods, and so growing up, did you have a dream job in your sights and was it in communications or something else? What did you want to be when you grew up? So I actually knew nothing about the world of communications as as we know it now growing up. My parents, in particular my mother, who is a primary school teacher, placed a strong focus on education going back as far as, as I can recall. So alongside school, we were kept very busy most mornings and nights with a lot of extracurricular activities. I was totally disinterested in sport, but I thoroughly enjoyed dancing, singing, performing on stage, reciting poetry in Ukrainian and, and, and playing piano, lots of stuff. And so for me, I daydreamed about being the next Kylie Minogue or Madonna. And I think the ultimate goal was Janet Jackson because she was such a cutting edge all rounder back then. But I did get to an age uh, in my teens where I realized I probably wasn't at the level that I needed to be to, to make a real success of it. So for some reason, I decided I was going to be a lawyer. And I studied really hard. I don't really know what it was about law that I liked other than watching a few programs. I think LA Law was the inspiration, which hopefully some of your listeners still remember that show. Oh, I remember it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my inspiration. So I studied really hard in high school to get the marks I needed to go to university and, and that's what I did. That's great. So you're studying law, then you're working in PR. That's a bit of a transition. I know a lot of people work come into communications, whether it be journalism, public relations, whatever, from various undergrad degrees or sometimes no degree at all. But for you, how did you break into this industry? Because my experience of it was it was hyper competitive, lots of young people, and people often assume that public relations is all about glamour and parties and meeting famous people. But 
I'd love to hear from you how you got into the industry and was it different to what you anticipated? Yeah, so my entry into the PR industry wasn't straight away. Uh, and it was actually, it's actually only been the past five or six years, really. But having said that, I began my career in marketing and sales while I was still studying at university. And so I spent a number of years building my career in marketing and brand management, mostly for a global health and beauty product or a brand, sorry. And I then, after I spent some time doing that and working with PRs on campaigns, I resigned from that job and started my first business because the idea of being a business owner back then at the age of 23 was was really exciting. I thought I just wanted to make decisions. I, I thought I knew a lot more than I did, and but I also wanted to create change. So that was something that really appealed to me. It wasn't in PR. It was still in sales and marketing, um, but it was certainly working with a lot of PRs. And, and I think I watched PRs and, and thought, wow, I really like what they do. But it was also a bit terrifying to watch because – um, it was a bit scary. They were constantly creating story angles. They were constantly pitching. I remember, you know, my bosses at the time and the people I was working with, you know, either going, yep, that's great or no, we're not getting enough. So it was, it, I really, like I saw that it wasn't nearly as measurable or, or you know, the targets weren't always achievable like they were, say, if you were buying media or placing an advertising campaign somewhere. So it wasn't until many years later that almost by chance I entered the world of PR and, and that was in my early 30s. So, I look, I, I'd never really felt the pressure because I simply didn't know what the PR industry was, to be honest. I was very naive. I'd worked with them. I went and did some courses on PR. I went and learned how to write media releases and, and just started representing some, some business people and entrepreneurs because I wanted to work with them and I wanted to tell their stories. That's fantastic. I love that transition. And I think that's really, that probably makes you a better practitioner in some ways because you've been on both sides of the fence. You know, you've sort of come to it from having worked with people in the industry and then deciding it was for you as well. I'd love to hear how you define public relations or PR in its truest form, because I think there's a lot of myths around it. And I'm always keen to hear from experts on how they view what they do. Yeah, so look, at you know, I think, Amber, you would get this question quite a lot um, working in PR and, and for me it's a question I get asked a lot and to be really clear and simple, it, it's about, and it sounds almost too simple, but it's very much about effective communications. So whether that's between an organisation and the target audience they're trying to reach or an individual who is trying to tell their story and, and influence or educate others, um, look, you, like I've already said, I didn't enter the world of PR straight away, but I certainly learned the value of PR from my very first marketing job. Um, the brand I worked for was incredibly successful worldwide and at the centre of that success was the brand story. It was about working out who the audience was and telling them the story in a compelling and relatable way. And, and for me, that is that is PR. It's effective communications. It's uncovering the unique points about whether it's a, a person or a company, making it relatable to the target audience and then finding the best ways to tell that story. That's a great summation. So talking a little bit more about what you do, I'd love for you just to share some ideas about what makes a fantastic dream client if they do exist and why is that so? It doesn't have to be on a named client basis. We wouldn't want you to name and shame anyone publicly, but I'd love to hear from you what, what makes a great client to work with. I have to, I have to actually say that, that 
I have had mostly really good experiences with clients and, and if the clients haven't worked for me, I, I probably take a lot of responsibility for that because in the early days of starting a business, I was just so keen to work with everyone um, and then later realized that maybe it wasn't a good fit. Uh, but it, it, it's a fascinating question for me because I feel like the dream client has evolved over the years in line with the experience I've got in the industry and, and also the direction that the company's taken. Um, look, I've always enjoyed working with individuals, whether they're entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs, uh, you know, former politicians, uh, anyone who's creating and leading really great companies, and they can be profit or not for profit, but they understand the power. <clears throat> excuse me, the power of building a brand in order to increase in, to increase their profile and and create awareness around what they're doing. Uh, so at, you know, in the company that I run now, the PR hub, we've got a checklist. And again, that comes with time and experience of working out who, you know, who is the best client, who's the dream client. And we tick that checklist off when we're approached by a potential new client to give us the best possible chance of success with that particular personal company. Um, I, look, I think I hate calling them dream clients, but I think in order for the partnership to work really well, a client needs to understand that PR is not advertising or marketing. And, and that sounds very simple, uh, but so often in the past, you know, you still would, you know, I've still worked with people who perhaps don't understand that there's a real difference between paying for space and, and securing a space where, you know, where you want something to go versus selling a story, pitching a story. And, and, you know, knowing where it's going to go, but not having final control over what that message might look like or how big the feature is. So it's, it's really about them understanding and, and it's our, it's our uh, job also to educate them on that too when we first start working with them. Um, and I think another, another thing for me about having a really successful partnership with a client is, is for the client to understand that PR wire commitment and time and involvement on their part. So it's not just about, look, let's create the story, see you later. You know, we'll, we, we can't answer the interviews. We can't front up for a television or a radio interview on their behalf. We can't do a phone interview for them. Um, sometimes we'll need really specific points from them. So the best clients I find uh, recognize that their input and their time is critical for PR for it to really work. I think that's a great summary of all, all, the, all the things you've learned really, isn't it, over the past um, decade or so. I'd love to also un unpack with you the idea of how social media has really changed industry and there'll probably be some people in, in, in our audience who have not remembered a time or can't remember a time before social media, but I, I certainly do. And the rise of social media in the last decade or so has definitely changed how both companies and individuals view the value of public relations agencies such as yours. How do you think you remain relevant and add real value to these clients? Because I believe from my experience that many think, oh, I can just do it myself. It's just about posting on social media and they will come. But we know that doesn't always happen and there's chances where things might go wrong and there needs to be a strategy and messaging and all those aspects. But from your perspective, how do you, how do you remain relevant? Yeah, look, I certainly come from a from a background of there being no social media as well. And it's for me, it's hard to remember what we did almost back then. Because um, I, I think social media has a really important place as part of PR right now. And if anything, it's a really useful tool that if used correctly to help promote PR results or mentions, you can create even further reach and engagement, which you couldn't do so well before. You could 
create, you know, before social media, we collected media clippings, we'd put them in a book, you would, you'd present them physically to somebody. Now you can actually use social to, to promote through a whole new network, if you like, that may not have seen the original media piece and, and share it in a, in another direction. So I, I think it has a lot of value and I really appreciate having social media as, as part of the PR mix. Um, we work with our clients to educate them on how they should be using their social channels. We're not a social media strategy agency as such, but we work with them on, on a high level just to give them some, I guess, to make sure that their social channels are very consistent in terms of their presence, their messaging, their imagery, and to show them how they can be just PR pieces to reach a further, to reach their audience. Um, and that, look, just added to that, sometimes not everyone's ready for PR. So, you know, and, and, you know, they can use social media and, and I thoroughly endorse it, but knowing some really great social media strategists and, and what they say about that is, is that it can also be a waste of time and energy if it's not being executed properly. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. And I think what you do in some ways is you do add value in a different way. But like you say, some organizations or individuals are not quite ready for public relations. And that must be a challenge as well, because sometimes you probably have to say no, or maybe the budget just doesn't work, or there will probably be various ways in which that doesn't pan out. Yeah, look, I, I hate saying no uh, to, to people that come to us, uh, which is often through word of mouth and referrals. And, and it's funny that some people really take that to heart as a rejection. And it's, it's not, it's us making a very conscious strategic decision that we're not the best partner for them, uh, to achieve what, what they're hoping to get out of PR. But off the back of that, a couple of years ago, we actually created a one-on-one program called six weeks to PR ready. So for Potential people who I thought would be great to work with down the track, we actually will take them on and we'll help them identify and build their brand story, help them understand their market position, who their audience is. Uh, we help them finesse their messaging, their imagery, and, and we show them how to use their existing channels like social and their websites, which costs very little, and then they can start promoting themselves, and, and that's been really effective too. Oh, that's fantastic. Changing tack a little bit, um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about personal branding because that's a bit of a, a buzz term if you like. But I, I do think that it's really important for organisations and individuals to embrace this idea in, in the world in which we live communications-wise. Do you believe a t- personal brand works the same for entrepreneurs as well as larger companies or how do you actually leverage leadership in those both those circumstances? For an individual and for a larger company, is there a different strategy or is the PR story going to be the driver no matter what? Look, for us, the style of the style of PR that we do is very much about working with business leaders or founders and leveraging their profile and, and creating creating awareness and, and recognition around the credibility of their profile and using that to then promote their their companies or their interests or, you know, it could be a philanthropic activity rather than the business that they're running so it's it's very much that's how we work as a PR agency uh, but look people love hearing other people's stories so you, you only have to look at it on a, on a more social level at how engaged we are as a nation although I, I, I don't profess to watch it but you know it's it's we are, as a nation rally programs like married at first sight or you know even things like the Kardashians people are just interested in in immersing themselves in what other people are doing and, and why they're doing it and what those outcomes are. So um, for me, I've always been in awe of people who come up with great ideas and start businesses. 
and then scale it to a level where they're turning a profit and, and managing a team in the process. That to me is very special um, and that's what drew me to working in public relations in the first place. So I was surrounded by all these amazing entrepreneurs and business leaders and while they were so focused on growing their businesses, no one was telling their stories. So that's, you know, that's why I created the company that, that I run now. So look, and, and I learned that from my first job in marketing. I learned a lot of things from that, from that job. It was, it was really powerful. And, and the message was all about creating the story of the person behind the company. Uh, and they achieved global success and, and, you know, $60 million in sales one year. Uh, and it was all came back to selling the unique, relatable story of the person who was behind the company. So that's what we do for our clients. You know, how do we do it? It could be profile interviews. It could be helping them create advice articles or thought leadership articles that then get placed in, in media publications or industry journals. We help them uh, source speaking opportunities and brand collaboration. So it's all of these elements that go into building their personal brand but also into raising the profile of their companies. So, you know, we add credibility and, and showcase those attributes. That's fantastic. I'd love to ask you now about PR measurement because for as long as I can remember, it's always been slightly contentious. And at the end of the day, clients are paying you and often for them it's a lot of a lot of money because they might be you know in startup mode or it just might be money that they've had to come up with, especially to invest in PR. But how do you actually rate your success these days? I mean, it used to be Back in the 90s and early 2000s, advertising equivalents where you'd measure the column inches in a newspaper and say, well, that's the equivalent article we got and what's that worth? But in your mind, how do clients respond now when you when you give them some sort of reporting and how is that return on investment measured? Mm, and, and I remember those days working client side as a marketer and, and having the PRs report back to us and, and with the glossy presentations and it was millions of, of, of people we reached with this piece on Today Tonight or, or whatever it was. And, and I did often wonder, like nobody questioned it. Um, or, you know, what, when you get to that stage, what do those figures really mean? Like how engaged are they, how engaged are those people in those numbers? Um, back, but the way that we operate is that it's very much about, uh, being clear on what the business objectives are and then how the PR campaign fits into achieving those objectives. And I'm not particularly fond, which you could probably tell, of measuring PR with advertising figures. Um, simply because the two are very different things to start with. So oh, I totally agree. I think back then we just had nothing else. So that's all I remember. It was like audience reach or AVEs, that was it. Like yeah. you looked up the circulation figures of that particular magazine and that was apparently how many eyeballs had seen it. And, and, and look, that might have been the case, but they're two very different forms of communication and the consumer is very aware um, in most circumstances what advertising is versus, you know, perhaps what a, what a piece of PR is. So I think in the early stages of, of running the PR business that we would get asked some of those things. And, and I, I don't know, not particularly intentionally, but it's, it just so happens that we don't deal with any clients who are really focused on measuring PR in that manner, uh, which, you know, works very well for us, but it does come back to business objectives. So if a client is looking for signups for a program, say, ticket sales for an event, uh, they're looking to, to raise the visibility of their founder's profile in, in a particular industry or in business publications, you know, they're looking to raise capital or, you know, they're, they're just looking to build their online profile so that when somebody puts their company or their name into a Google search, 
the content that comes up is is very clearly on message and and you know showcases them in a positive way. Whatever those objectives are, um, if if our clients are seeing a positive trend with those objectives during our PR campaigns, then that's what success looks like for them. That makes sense. It's very it's very logical in many ways, and I think you're right. You've attracted the clients who appreciate what you do, and you're probably transparent in, in your processes and where the, where the campaigns are at. And I think at the end of the day, that's what clients respond to as well. Just that you know, great lines of communication, knowing they can ask you questions and you'll answer them, and and not just waiting for that glossy presentation at the end of the year or the month. Yeah. Look, I mean, reporting is is important, uh, but it's certainly certainly not a huge focus for us as a business. Results are. Um, and, you know, success for us is, is knowing that uh, results like these results then end up in word of mouth referrals from both past and present clients who are, you know, driving, driving people they know to come and use our services. So crisis PR is something that most people don't factor in when they're a shiny new business or they're in the middle of, you know, massive growth and success. But in my experience, it has to be part of future-proofing any PR plan just in case. What makes a PR crisis in your mind versus a PR issue? Because I think sometimes clients, what they perceive to be a crisis could be an issue and vice versa. So how do you deal with that from an education point of view of your clients? So in both look, both situations, I think that there's a responsibility on the PR agency to be forward thinking and proactive about understanding the nature of the client's business. So able being able to identify potential issues or backlash in the media or from customers and then developing an approach. Because what I found from experience is that clients might be too close to their product or their service. And don't necessarily inv- like see those those potential issues. So it's our job as a more objective partner of theirs to identify them, bring them to the table, and then look at ways that we can approach it. Um, the difference between the two is that I think issues management is more proactive in the sense that as PR people, we need to be across the latest news trends, reports, findings associated with the industries of our clients and then looking at ways that we can produce content or create research pieces that allow us to to go out with a message which either you know provides a solution to what might be going on in their industries or you know at least be seen to be raising the profile and, and doing making change. So an, an example of that for us is the work that we do with Adopt Change. So Adopt Change is a not-for-profit organisation which advocates for vulnerable children to find permanent loving homes and, and adoption is the preferred option. So we've been working with them for three and a half years now. So throughout the year we might do research, we might do advocacy, we might work with government um, it's, or with the sector. It's all about influencing policy and practice. There's a number of things that we'll do throughout the year which is more about issues management. Um, but crisis PR, you know, it's, as it sounds, it's far more reactive. But again, as a PR agency and as, you know, PR agency client partnership, hopefully you can, you know, at least try and be on top of some of those issues by being a bit more forward thinking. Um, you won't necessarily have the entire plan mapped out, but at least if, if you do some work, you know, beforehand, then at least you've got some foundations to work with to, to make sure that the response is more considered and timely. Totally agree. So what do you see as the biggest shifts in trends for public relations over, say, the next three to five years? What's coming up? Because I guess you're at the coalface of working with clients daily. You're also cutting edge in your industry. What what are we likely to see that we're not maybe seeing now or not seeing as much of? 
Look, the first thing that, that we're seeing is that there's a rise in entrepreneurs making a name for themselves across mainstream media channels uh, with product services, you know, becoming household names. So startups and entrepreneurs, you know, you think Airtasker, you think Deliveroo, you think Uber. These are household names that, you know, our friends know, our parents know, um, you know, our, our, our kids know. And, and that is something that I think will continue to rise. And, and also the people behind some of those brands, I think, will start to become more visible. Um, and, and again, it comes back to people loving people's stories. So I think that there will be a more of a demand in, in the media, in the marketplace to hear the stories of, you know, this, the rise, the success, the phase of these people. How did they start these, these organizations which went global? So I think that there will be a rise in that more in that personal brand in PR space. Um, the other thing I, that I think again, and, and this is, this is sort of more business focused PR because that's the space that, that we predominantly play in is that I think PR and thought leadership will extend beyond founders or CEOs of companies. And, and already we're seeing some of the bigger companies are recognizing the importance of investing in their people in order to remain competitive and be seen as industry leaders. So, you know, I've been to, to events put on by banks for their staff where they recognize some, you know, some of their staff, there's quite a large number of them, but as, as what they call social influencers. So people who have a profile on social media who also represent their companies. So, you know, and social media is such a big thing. It's not going anywhere. And we talked about it a bit earlier. So large companies are starting to invest time and money into their staff, educating them on personal brand and how to use social, not necessarily to hashtag the company every time they post, but certainly recognizing that their friends and, and family and, and colleagues see them as almost representatives of the company. So they're almost, in a way, I guess, trying to control a bit of that narrative that, that goes out via social with their staff. That's fantastic. I love that. And I think it's all true. I can I can feel it happening now. So that groundswell is definitely on its way. A couple of last questions for you. I believe that, you know, generations have their own flavour and that comes to be PR as well. So I know when I work with, say, clients from the baby boom generation or my generation, which is Gen X, it is different to working with Gen Y and millennials. I'd love to hear from you what your experience is as PR industry leaders, you know, you've got new generations coming through. People are looking at PR as a long-term career because there are so many things you can do. And like you say, social's not going away, the media's not going away, and neither is personal brand. How do you engage that new generation of PR practitioner in the PR hub? Is there a different way you work with new people or is it just all the same? You've created a culture that embraces the diversity no matter what. It's, it's so it's, it's funny because when I think of Gen Y, I think of them as being I don't know late twenties, maybe thirty, and and the reality is is that Gen Y, some Gen Ys are starting to hit sort of the thirty. I think it's mid thirties mark, although there's a bit of contention around when it starts and finishes. But I think I just <laughs> absolutely no. I think you're right. It's mid to late thirties is now the oldest version of of Gen Y, so they're not sort of that far behind, I guess, us. But there is a mindset difference in my experience. Yeah. So I mean, and look, based on based on that definition, Amber, I'm Gen Y. So. Uh, but there you go. But look, so I, I look. I have certainly worked worked with some uh, younger people in the past within within the business, and and it hasn't worked. But right now, our team structure is is generally made up of Gen Ys, and we've got a really strong team. And our most recent team member is actually millennial. So. Um, we, you know, we, we can't shy away from hiring these generations and it, it almost feels for me a, a bit strange 
talking about and segmenting them in that way because it's they're such a big part of the population and we just got to work out how to how best to utilize them and, and make you know make sure that they're happy and, and we're getting results so um, it's definitely unavoidable to be engaging with them and, and I'm very excited about our new hire um, she's a lot younger than I am she's got some great understanding of, of social media and, and how her generation uh, engages with that she made some some great uh, observations about snapchat recently and um and then you know then we had the whole Kylie Jenner thing and Snapchat losing a lot of value um and I thought wow like these are things that I wouldn't have thought of so I actually see a lot of value in having a balanced team and not just gender but age experience and interests so there's I mean there's no point everyone being like me because then the ideas and execution are going to be limited and and so is the delivery for our clients so um, we do have some core values at the PR hub um, and every person that joins the team has to align with those. Otherwise, I don't think it works. So I think it's very much about attitude, values, uh, commitment to work, commitment to, to working with each other. And I think, you know, there's some really great talent out there. Absolutely. So who are the special mentors you've had in your life? Because I'm always a big believer that you haven't got to the places where you are and achieve what you have without people along the way, whether they're well-known or not, teaching you about success or life. I'd love to hear from you who are the one or two people that come to mind and what what have they actually taught you? Oh, so, look, I'll start with the family, the family side of things because that's been a really big thing for me. So, uh, yeah, they, they, my parents, my grandparents, very important part in my work ethic and life values. Um, my grandparents came, both sides, came to Australia from Ukraine as war refugees and they didn't speak English, they didn't know anyone, uh, but they were just, you know, very hardworking and determined to build lives for themselves here. You know, and I look at what they did. They bought houses, they raised, you know, my parents, they learned English to get by. So that's always been a real inspiration for me, you know, especially if I'm going through tough times. I think, gosh, if they could have done it, then I just need to get on with the job and do it. Um, and I also, you know, that's part of why I work so hard is I think, well, they gave us such great opportunities to, to exist here in Australia. So, you know, you need to make the most of it. From a professional level, uh, I worked for a very long time with a former New South Wales politician uh, called Kerry Chikorovsky, and Kerry played a, a massive part in, you know, she was she was probably one of, like, my first client when I started my PR business and I was still working, working alongside her in government relations. And so, you know, she's such an insp inspiring woman. She's, you know, she's very tough but very fair and very generous and watching how she's navigated her career has been a great inspiration for me as well. They're great examples. Final piece of advice for anyone trying to embrace the politics of public relations, what would that be? Good question. Um, look, I think PR and, and having only been in, in PR for about five, six years now, uh, it's a great opportunity to work across industries, to, to meet amazing business people, people doing different things and, and from a personal perspective, really further your knowledge about what's going on in the world outside of your day-to-day. Um, you know, I, I learned so much from my clients about industries and, and things that are happening that otherwise I would have had no idea about and no interest in. So I think that that's a really great thing for PR. I think you have to, you know, sometimes it's, it's very much like being in sales. 
and you have to be persistent. You have to be ready for the knockbacks, the rejections. You also have to be very respectful of, of the media and the journalists that you're trying to work with um, and, and get to know them and get to understand what they report on, uh, what their audience is after because they get bombarded with stuff every day uh, with lots of pictures. So it's really about being respectful of their time and, and trying to make the most of that so that you deliver value for your clients as well. That's great advice. You've been listening to the politics of everything. If you do want to connect further with Samantha Dyback, there'll be some details in our show notes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.